Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 74 for Tuesday, August 4th. I'm Alex Uri here today with Alex Rudy and Forbode Markazi. How you guys doing? I am forever blessed that we have made another day without MLB shutting down its season. So, <laughs> Yeah, what? put a positive spin on, on the fact that baseball still happening for most people. Not everybody. It has not been perfect. Uh, we are not going to spend the entire time talking about coronavirus news and updates, but of course... Just most of the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> you said just most of the time. Just most of the time. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of news from the first week, week and a half of the MLB season, and it has been eventful. It is it has come out of the gates hot. Uh, certain players have been really, really unexpectedly good, um, but most of the drama is coming of course, from suspended games and and um, suspended pitchers, or one suspended pitcher in general. So we'll get to all of that. And yeah, so let's start with, with the recent coronavirus blunder of the Cardinals, who have reportedly had a few of their players go to a casino. And last Friday, they had multiple positive tests. They had to cancel their game. They're, they did not play at all this past weekend. They're still not playing. Uh, that was a big screw-up, to say the least, and already the second big episode of like player negligence in widespread team outbreaks. So that's really got to be something that need, that's going to clearly be a recurring problem. So uh, what do you guys think about the whole situation and just how Major League Baseball should handle things, how the team should handle things? Uh, Farbod, what do you think? I'm just frustrated, man. I we talked about this with the Marlins, but this it's and I'm not going to go again the whole bubble thing, but this isn't the bubble where these players, if they do go out and have fun or do whatever they want, they're back on their own. I mean, even outside of just considering for the sake of baseball, what about like your teammates, your coaches, families? If you go out to a casino, if you go out to a bar, which um, reports are saying the Marlins did that and you do catch something and you spread it to your teammates, they're going home to their kids. They're going home to their, like, to their wives and, like, parents, whoever's at home. That, like, that's an easy way to spread that. And it's just frustrating just seeing how, like, as you mentioned, it was player negligence. And it's, do you, it, my mind says, do you care that much that what's going on? Do you, like, obviously there's going to be COVID deniers. Obviously there's going to be people on every team saying, oh, it's not going to get to me. Uh, I'm, I'll be fine. I'm, I'm just going to have fun in a limited capacity. No, it's, you, you, ha- you have to buy in. You have to, this is for the sake of your yourself, your family, your team, and like Major League Baseball. It's just frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rudy, what did you think about how that whole situation uh, was handled? I definitely think that, but I think that level-headed take by is 100% true. I, I have one question before I get my full opinion. Where was the casino out of curiosity they went to? Does anyone know that? I, I don't know. It's probably a river casino. Okay. doesn't really matter, but uh, I just like, this one is almost, this one would be hilarious if it wasn't so sad and like serious of a matter, because like I just like can't imagine having the inclination to go to like a casino in the middle of Missouri during a pandemic. Like, that is just, like, not on the top of the list of things I need to be doing in my life. It just seems like such an absurd thing to make this big of a risk. Like, I can somewhat understand going out in Atlanta. I'm not defending it at all. Like, young people do stupid things. And, like, as Lou Williams proved, Atlanta is a very attractive place for those kinds of actions. For how long? so there's at least like I guess like a precedent, you know, to at least like ra- can rationalize it in some degree. This one, especially after the Marlins already fucked up, just seems so hard to comprehend. And I think this is kind of I think it's kind of a three strike thing. I think this is strike two, and one more team screwing up, I think, is probably the end of the season. I, at least I hope so, because if if it's really this hard to control. Uh, the inclinations of people on the rosters that just refuse to do what's necessary to play the season. 
then I just don't see how this season is feasible. And I think last thing I'll say is that it's interesting is that when Manfred first responded to the Marlins case, he kind of really seemed to scapegoat the teams for not handling it seriously enough, which I think we kind of lambasted absurd. Um, but these actions just help deflect blame from the league. That's like the worst part of it in a way too, is that like every time a team screws up like this and does something like just really stupid instead of like indirectly contracting it just through like the general format, like just travel or something, it just proves that the league right and the players wrong. So I, I don't know if they realize that these actions have a way greater impact than it's like missing a week of games. They have, damage the image and reputation of players directly when they already need as much leverage as they can get. Yeah, that that aspect's not new, whether it's money, whether it's with reputation, like Major League Baseball is going to, to scapegoat players. That's that's their, their MO. Um, and, you know, obviously players who do stuff like this are at fault, but the fact that there's no... There's no formalized repercussions for these types of things. There's nothing. It's it's basically like, oh, look at the players. Like, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. Like, that's just really sucky. It's their fault. Like, Major League Baseball's done nothing to to address problems that probably should have been foreseen. And even when they pop up, they're not really attentive to coming up with solutions quickly. And then to consider also just how. You know, you you talk about it as being a strike system where you think one more incident will. Pro- I don't I don't see it that way at all. I think major league it's it's more of like a uh, a a threshold system where as long as X amount of teams are in the clear and as long as teams like the Marlins and the Cardinals and the Phillies like eventually clear up and and can resume play with whoever they have then they'll just keep running out games. And it's, I it's, I, I, <laughs> that's that's I how, that's how I see it happening. For a bit. I, I think unless it's like multiple, multiple teams who have the same thing, they have to shut down a lot. Yeah. But also, I mean, on the, on the contrary, we saw last week that uh, MLB and Rob Manfred were saying we could see a shutdown as soon as today. And they were telling all of their TV partners prepare um, alternate uh, like all alternate options for the like for those time slots because we might not have games yeah and I, I so, will I, I just want to comment on that thing too that you're talking about it Manfred made some comments that that came across as if if players and teams do not take this more seriously then there just won't be a baseball season and a lot of people on the internet at least seem to interpret that as a threat. When it's really not, it's it, that is just the reality. And at least the commissioners, like making that abundantly clear that it's gotta it's gotta come on both. The effort has to come from both ends, from the teams and the players, and from Major League Baseball to make any of this happen. And it's not he's not threatening to shut down the league if like players. It, it's not a threat. It's just. Him saying I, I like what has to happen. Completely. You think you think he was yeah. threatening? Yeah. It will, uh, the, yeah. So he's deflecting. Deflecting, sure. Not not threatening. Yeah. He's not threatening he the teams. Threatening. He's threatening. Them. I, I think it's a threat. Yeah. It can be it can be a reasonable threat, but still a threat. You think so? Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. he's he's basically saying if you want your money for this season and you want to get paid. Follow the rules, and if you're not going to follow the rules, and any more outbreaks, then we're going to cancel the season. But that's the players. But that's like the an established thing. The owners. But that's like an but established. He's he's like reiterating. No, it's like telling. It's like telling a convict. No, 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 no. He he went to the the. You have to think about how like the way he communicated. He communicated through the player through, uh, the head of the players' union. Yeah, that the, is mm-hmm. clearly. In my perspective, at least from how I'm interpreting it, that is clearly an intent to threaten them. And I, I'm not necessarily saying he's wrong to th- threaten them. It might be to that point where that is actually a reasonable response. But to me, you can't just say it's just purely logical. This is the way it is. You have to think about it. The context of the dialogue they've been having throughout this whole period is so antagonistic. 
that you can interpret it as this is anything else but an extension of that further antagonism between the two parties, I think is missing a lot of the context and nuance around what's going on. So it's not in a vacuum. I, I suppose if it, it, it's open to interpretation, obviously we disagree about the threatening nature of the thing, but it's, it's not a situation where he's like leveraging his power and saying like, it, it's not like a dad in the front seat of a car saying like, if you don't stop yelling back there, I will like, I will turn this car around. That's like him executing his, his power in a situation. Manfred is like, like, I'm, I'm going to have to do this if, if you guys like, if you guys don't like he he already had he would have had to do this regardless of the of what he said or any situation like yeah if players keep doing this and more teams test and keep testing positive and there's no games yeah the season will be canceled that's not like new information that's not him executing any sort of leverage that he has as the commissioner that's just a decision that would have had to be have been made regardless of of who was saying what if there was a widespread outbreak an even more widespread outbreak. It was a cho- I, I, I don't know. The way I see it, and then we can move on, the choice of words you use clearly is threatening. Not, not So I, I think the way he says it clearly comes off as threatening, but when we can agree or disagree. It's, 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 you know, it's semantic at the end of the day. Okay. I couldn't find the, um, the actual spot that the Cardinals went to, um, but it's also the fact that they even win is is the problem and i'm seriously hoping for people's health and team's health and baseball that other teams are smarter yeah or at least implement some new some new strict policies and i know there's a whole policies and procedures like handbook that was developed for coronavirus for this season but it's clearly not thorough enough because it hasn't seemed to help a lot of these situations so you know like you gotta suspend players who do stuff like this there has to be a an established like understanding of of consequence for for those who don't understand like the 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 inherent social consequences of being an irresponsible citizen i think there has to be an agreement though in the cba there to suspend them for it. And I don't, it doesn't seem like they agreed to that in the negotiations for this to occur. So that's like, well, that's teams, like big, teams should just start suspending people then. <laughs> then. Oh, that's, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, and one last thing before we actually move on. Um, the, just the fact that every team has to kind of come up with their own protocols because there are some teams that have gone out gone out of the way of have having a team first um protocol i mean just being an angel fan i know they have several um they have several just team rules that they've agreed to that for their player safety for their team safety and i know there's several teams out there that are doing that but it's this is just one of those situations that it's like when you when you're a in elementary school and your teacher says one one of you kids could ruin it for for everyone else this is one of those situations one team where another one more team could ruin it for everyone else it's it's about buying in players come to team and they the expectation is that they buy in to banding together and winning a championship and having a common goal this is just a different common goal like it has to people have to buy in so we'll we'll finish the rest of the coronavirus related headlines here the Phillies are returning to play tonight against the Yankees actually in New York so that's good for them they have not had uh, any positive test cases in the last few days last couple days at least so um, you know it's good to at least have them back and then one headline that really caused a lot of concern was this Sunday morning I believe it was uh, Jonas Cespedes just kind of disappeared uh, they had a, a day game um, on the road in Atlanta, and Jonas Cespedes didn't report um, You know when the, when the team was going to the stadium or whatever. They check his room. He's not there. He's just gone. Like Nobody knows where he is. He's, he's just missing. And apparently he opted out of the season and didn't tell anybody. 
I guess he, he, he claims he told his, his manager and thought his, his manager would have passed that along, but uh, not his team manager, like his, uh, his agent, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all that happened, which is, you know, thankfully the extent of it, like nothing else dangerous or, or anything like that. But that's not often that you just see a report of a player who's missing outright. I think. I think, I mean, on Ioannis's part, yes, that was unprofessional of him for <laughs> disappearing without telling anyone, or for opting out without telling anyone. But... He didn't just opt I, out. He left. He, like, left the team hotel. Okay, I... Yeah, <laughs> I understand. I, what, what, I, what I'm trying to say is, I don't know how much I agree with how the Mets handled this either. Because if you don't know where a player is, you don't know if they're safe, you don't know anything... And this is before they found out that he just opted out and left. Do you just send out something? Like, I, I feel like the way they handled it was... I, I can't find the words to explain it right now. But I feel like the way they handled it was completely like yeah, unprofessional, too. Wait, why? I, I, have, I have no I idea like, what you're referring to. I actually to. like that part of it. Wait, what are you referring to? What was the unprofessional aspect of it? There, I, I'm trying to find the... Um, so basically, basically uh, I, I just found a tweet in the way they leaked um, it to the media. Yeah, so Mark, Mark Craig Carrick tweeted something yesterday saying, so today's fi- fiasco seems to be either one, the Mets sent a statement designed to shame Ioannis Cespedes, or two, the Mets sent out a statement to say Ioannis Cespedes didn't come to work without first determining his well-being. A well-run organization would do neither. Okay, yeah, wait, I completely uh, agree with the precedent of the Mets already be, being an organization that treats its employees and players poorly from the top down, I, I think that is really a good interpretation of what's going on. I mean, it's, it's already a fluid dysfunctional organization and in, in not a good work environment um, with their issues with their front office and management last season. So I, I agree with about the way they let this story um, perfectly into the media, where they basically, uh, before figuring out if he was okay, already started leaking that he ditched them is I agree is not a good look. And I, I also think this is not defending Cespedes, but to be honest, like I, I can't really blame anyone under the present circumstances, especially from someone from a foreign country. Um, after these outbreaks going on to say I'm out and yeah, he could have handled it better, but I, he was only due to get $611,000, sorry, $2.2 million this season. Um, he had gone 611000 so far for his nine games because he uh, had his $29.5 million of last year of his four-year $110 million deal reduced to $6 million because of his bore injury incidents. Uh, and now that only got reduced to the $2.2 due to the proration. So considering how much money Cespedes has already made in his career and considering how little he's going to make this year comparatively, he didn't really have a huge incentive to play this season, especially considering how banged up his body already is um so yeah just to sum it up i mean i don't obviously he could handle better but it really seems like the mets manipulated the communication the information to discredit him in the in the press yeah i mean if you had any player so think about it if this went another way and they didn't leak this out and they did find out he opted out they could end up going back to the like press and say like he opted out. He wasn't with the team this morning, but he opted out. We figured everything's okay. Instead, you you are what for two three hours. Everyone's on social media just memeing the shit out of Cespedes. And once again, like Rudy said, not necessarily defending him for leaving without informing anyone for opting out without informing anyone. But that's not how you defend someone. That's not how you show a person within your organization that you got their back. Okay, I have to... Uh, I'm, we have a lot of disagreements in this, this podcast so far. I have to disagree so wholeheartedly with you on the fact that, like, I don't think it was... Uh, okay, intentions and, and subtleties and, and how everything is framed, and, like, clearly there's interpretation that just, like, will differ. But the fact that they informed, I, I guess, the media directly, or I don't even know how, how it went down. I saw it I think it was John Heyman who reported it. Like it was, it was from a an MLB like reporter, and this is like 
he's he's missing like would it have been more responsible to just like keep it completely quiet and then just like Cespedes isn't anywhere and, and then people on that end are like where's Jonas Cespedes like what is happening like he's not even there he didn't report to the stadium like he's not he's not okay, but in the dugout think- that that seems way more irresponsible to just keep to try to keep something like that under wraps and to be fair like no, I, I don't I know if it I I, well I know you guys disagree I, I'm saying I disagree I, with with you guys because they, they it's sort of coverage for him easily yeah. and just said like He's on. He's away on personal matters. They do this all the time. The only reason this became such a big story is because it's the era of COVID. The same thing with like uh, the uh, Terry Francona's the shits getting reported or Chris Bryant. Like there's only these are only such big newses. Uh, news not news is not a word. I will concede <laughs> that because everyone's appearance is news because it, it potentially means they're sick, so it has to be clarified and. Ordinarily, that would just be like an excuse, like out with illness. So they made no effort to do any of that for Cespedes, and but they genuinely I, I, didn't I mean, know what was going on with him. Job. Okay, but Uli, yeah, but you never leave it to the media. That's what you're missing. Like, yeah. and also, like we have to take the narrative. At, we can't take the narrative at face value because clearly there's agendas at play, and like the order, the way the information was communicated, seemingly because obviously Cespedes wasn't communicating to the media. Is clearly in the Mets' interest to portray the situation in a certain way. I mean, I, I'm not trying to go out and motivate exonerate him. Once again, like he acted really unprofessional in his job, and he is he fucked up at his job. Like that sh- isn't like acceptable. But I, I don't think it's a good look from the Mets as an employer and how they treat their employees going through. It. I mean, it's like but I think it's really extreme circumstances to be doing anything under, including playing a sport. Like I, I, I give, mean, I give, I give, I give, a, I, give a, I give the players. I guess the benefit of doubt with odd behavior under the stress they're probably going through. I can't even believe they keep them playing normally. I would be so stressed out of my mind just playing to begin with, let alone everything else. So I, I, I you don't have any sympathy for it. Okay, let me let me say something. I mean, with the whole fact that they they sent this out, and you're saying that it's not a terrible thing that they sent this out because. No, it's like I'm, it's it's just like what I expect them to do when they have no idea I, where I they're players. They have no. Th- I, this I, is I, this I, is not I a situation where they're covering the, something up, like where they they know, like yeah, like um, the real reason he's not there is like very really embarrassing, and we're just covering for this player. They didn't know where he was. They clear. They I can't believe they they must have reached out to his his agent, who apparently is like the only other person who knew that Jonas Cespedes opted out and you don't know went anywhere. We don't know that. Agent, we don't know that. But that's but that's based on what we know. Like. Based I on what we know, he, that's who he told. That's the only person he told. If he is told the agent that he yeah. was opting out, then they reached out to the agent in your timeline, then they would have known that he had opted out. And they, they would have... I, they like must. They certainly. They certainly it. must have reached out to the agent, and clearly the or not clearly the agent must not have responded. Like it's if if they just reached out well, to the agent right away, it's like, do you know where your client is? Like, and, and they just don't get any response from the agent. Then what are they to do? They have no idea where he is. And, and imagine like you know different situation. Like if it was something where no, like nobody knew where he was, and it wasn't resolved in the next like two hours or Wait, however long it was. That? Like then okay, then at the end of that day, here? like. You, do you, do you th- expect the team to acknowledge like okay yeah we we have no idea where he is we haven't known where he is all day and we still haven't found him like that would have been that would have been so much worse. Like I I, I so here's the thing I think a competent organization um, would have conducted some sort of internal investigation would have found would have done everything they can to locate him find him if they couldn't find him find a way to like ensure like. Like make sure he's safe or whatever before they leak it out to the press. I don't think leaking anything out to the press, making a statement as the general manager and presidents did, um, helps them find him. I don't think that helped them. Yeah. Like that that wasn't part of the process. That that wasn't okay. necessary. And I I feel like just there's a difference between um, keeping it covered up for the player's sake and sweeping it under the rug. And don't and, think if he had such a good relationship with the Mets and they're such a good organization, he would have told him. No, the relationship's probably off. He didn't tell anybody. Mets. He didn't even tell his. He didn't tell any other players. Apparently, that <laughs> damning of the Mets himself that they don't have an organizational environment where Cespedes felt comfortable doing that. 
Sure, you can use it as a situation to just like poop on the Mets and in, in their organization in general. But I like will. in this case, they like, <laughs> but in this case, like, it's not a situation where it's like, okay, like they could have just handled everything like quietly and done and done their own work to find where he was. They had a day game that day. They like people would have noticed if Yohannes Cespedes just wasn't present all at all. Okay, the I, team I, statement. Okay. Before they before he was found. Was as of game time, Anasasvis has not reported to the ballpark today. He did not reach out to management with any explanation for his absence, and our attempts to contact him have been unsuccessful. So, what, what is wrong with that? That's like that's what happened. That's their explanation. I, I just feel like if you're trying to, if you have a player, I don't care if he hasn't played in two years or if he hasn't played in two days. If you have anyone that's getting paid or valued by your organization in any situation you don't in okay outside of baseball if you run an organization and you try to shame one of your employees for not showing up without first figuring out what's going on that that's damn they didn't know what was going on they they, they had to say I, something I, I, they, I they gave an explanation but i i think we should move on we're gonna agree to disagree i i think ultimately Uwe, i i I, I don't think they owed anyone any responsibility to tell them where he was or what was going on. So there's no requirement from the team to communicate that information. I, I disagree with you that that's some standard. And I lastly just really think that you can't look at this scenario under normal circumstances. And I don't see, you can't separate it from COVID-19 uh, making everything more extreme. So, but I, I do see what you're saying. I, I think normally, yes, that behavior would have been fine, but I think under just the present circumstances that we're in, I think it can, it's a little uh, cold of them at the end of the day. But uh, yeah. we agree to disagree. I'm, I'm still, I'm still pretty baffled, but I, I, I will agree that we need to move on because there's, there's some other things that we should discuss that have happened recently, and as interesting as this whole Cespedes situation is. Uh, there's other things to talk about as well. So I'm going to go ahead and rattle off um, a, a couple other like interesting things that happened. Uh, n- no, no particular order. Just like if you have anything to, to say about them, like th- these are just some like fun little fun little things that happened. Uh, Mike Trout is a dad now. Dad Trout. Uh, Beckham Aaron Trout was born, and he is already on every top prospect list from. Uh, from Baseball America and MLB.com, and he's there. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. He's not there. Don't look for him. But he's uh, he, he's that's that's big. That's big news to see Mike Trout with dad powers now. Hopefully, in the coming days. Oh my gosh. Can yeah. you imagine? He's, uh, he's going to be rejoining the team um, tomorrow in Seattle. Man, I. Good. Congrats for him. Congrats to the Trouts. Like, I'm. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Beckham Aaron Trout's gonna be an angel of England. <laughs> great great all-around news and especially for those fantasy players out there who are worried that mike trout would just like not be able to play much this season with this whole thing going on but he, he's going back um so yeah another like angels related thing is that shohei otani uh did apparently have an mri on his arm and had another disastrous start um both of his starts have been just really really bad uh, for the Angels so far, so uh, hopefully we don't have to to rinse and repeat with the whole Shohei Otani not being able to pitch for X amount of time and then ushering him back in. There is an update. Okay, um, what do you have? For like uh, five, seven minutes ago, uh, Shohei Otani has been diagnosed with a grade one to two strain of the flexor pronator mass. It's the general timetable for throwing progression is four to six weeks. He's still going to be traveling with the team to Seattle as a DH. Oh um, boy. So, so we're going to just give up on the whole pitching experience with him. I mean, they they I, probably I, I will just call it a day at, at at some point, right? I mean, I no, I I don't agree hundred percent with that. I think you um, shut him down for the rest of the season. And the one thing I didn't see from him in his two starts was, um, I it just seemed like he was like. He came out after his first start and said, like, this was just a surreal, like, weird outing for me because it was a combination of no fans, like, he had no adrenaline or whatever. 
that's one thing. Let's first start in certain, like, several months, like, years. That's one thing. The second game started out first inning was solid. And then it, it went back to it looked like he was just trying to aim and not confident in his pitches. And, that like, you do see some of that normally out of a uh, pitcher who's coming back from Tommy John where they, they don't want to fully unleash themselves because they're – some people they have like this mild insecurity that they're going to get hurt again. Plainly put, he was not ready, um, and he was and he's injured. Yeah. That's that's it. I I don't think they should shut him down as a pitcher overall. I think they shut him down for the rest of the season. Hopefully, next year we do have a regular spring training, regular um, timetable, and he has that full normal time to just be ready to pitch. We can only hope. Can you imagine being the Angels and like all this disaster with your star two-way player, and then your worst-case scenario is you just have a a young star, like star quality corner outfielder instead. Like that's that's probably what yeah. ends up happening most likely. That that's yeah. not the worst thing. Uh, he'll become a corner outfielder permanently. Well, if he if he they shut him down as a pitcher, he, he can definitely play the field. Like he's okay. he's plenty I athletic. Uh, I just one quick thing on it. Yeah. Do you guys do you guys really ever have the expectation that he was a guaranteed like career pitcher? Like I guess I was always really skeptical from the beginning that he was ever gonna be able to do both full time for an entire career. I mean, ever it hasn't happened in like a hundred years for a reason. So I, I was I, more Japanese pitchers are notoriously injury prone. So, so I, I, I I I'm not shocked, I guess, that this is a perennial issue with him. Be honest. I, I it might be my angels bias. It might be my hope that um, he does have like he does pan out as both. But I was when he was first signed, I was more skeptical of him as a hitter than a pitcher. I'll I'll be I'll tell you that right everybody now. was everybody um, was and hundred percent. I was much more skeptical if he could hit major league pitching instead of pitch against major league guys. And he had. Um, before he got hurt in 2018, 20, whenever we signed him, he was – like, he had such good stuff. His split is nasty, throws 100. Like, I, there's no doubt in my mind that he can pitch in the major leagues. I don't know if necessarily um, – they like, I don't know how to balance his hitting and his um, pitching recoveries um, with each other. And I know the Angels have done their, the best they can. They've done all the research and all they talked to all the people that he worked with in Japan to make sure it worked. But at some point, I do agree with you that it seems it, like I'm kind of skeptical that it will end up working on working in the long haul. But this kid's so young. I like I don't see why it won't work once he's fully healthy and ready. He's 26. Yeah, uh, the, just simply like simply put, we haven't seen the answer yet. Like, like we don't we don't know if it is doable because everything that's has held him up is just injury related. Like, we haven't gotten to see them the Angels try to do this over the span of like a reasonable sample or a whole season and just seeing how the performance outcomes come because that's that's a question too. It's like, can he do both? Well, he like physically could not do both like for for the entire time that he's been around. So like. Just really unfortunate overall. Uh, other random news. Uh, Patrick Mahomes as a minority stake of the Kansas City Royals. That's cool, I guess. He's he's a, he's the youngest uh, stakeholder, right, of, of any prof- like is it any professional sports team or any major league baseball team? It's one I of those. Professional sports team. Any professional sports team. Okay, yeah. That's good for him. He's 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 on it early. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an Astros cheaters update, by the way, uh, just to start this season off. George Springer is hitting 182. Jose Altuve is hitting 158. Alex Bregman's hitting 211. And you love to see it. Uh, wasn't There was some tweet or quote from Altuve that, that I saw, and I, I don't know much of the context around it, but he said something along the lines of, it's much harder to guess than it is to know with regards to to just hitting in general. I was like, yes, <laughs> that is, that is how it works, dude. Like, I know you've probably grown accustomed to just knowing what's coming at you, but yeah, guessing is uh, kind of what a lot of, a lot of people have to do uh, to some extent. So that was just a really <laughs> weird, but sort of funny thing that happened. 
Um, speaking of... Uh, that was Oral Hershiser that said that about Altuve. Um, oh, it was. Okay, that was a confusing yeah. tweet then that I had yeah, seen. Altuve okay. struck out and Hershiser said, guessing's harder than knowing. Oh, okay, we love that. We love to see that then, even then. Th- that makes more sense than an Astros player than an Astros player yeah. saying. Thanks for clearing that up, but Oral Hershiser. A great color commentator, uh, as as we said. And um, yeah, it, like related to that, Joe Kelly last week threw at um, multiple Astros players, uh, zipped one head high behind Alex Bregman, which is just like not a good thing to see in any context. Um, a pitcher throwing 100 miles an hour head hunting. Uh, but that's that's what happened. It was, it was not really a scuffle, but a benches clearing situation after he struck out Carlos Correa, and there was a lot of words being thrown around, um, pouty faces being made. But the, the big story was that <laughs> Joe Kelly received an eight-game suspension for Major League Baseball, which is just like completely unprecedented for the, the equivalent kind of offense. Yes, he should have been suspended. He, he clearly threw at Alex Bregman's head, even like kind of threw at him while he was on first base on a pickoff throw, like spiked one directly at Bregman that the first baseman luckily like jumped in front of and managed to catch. But like in a deliberate situation that should have been punished, but eight games, especially in a shortened season is just absurd. Um, I have a hot take on this. Yeah. I I actually think that the reaction to the suspension was overly dramatic. And here's why. I think I'm not saying that the MLB in any way has handled the whole Astro scandal appropriately or effectively at all. And in no doubt, on paper, it seems very unjust that no Astros player was suspended, which Joe Kelly gets eight games, which is like over 20 games proportionally. I admit all of that. But it's ignoring two, a couple of really important things I think affect the context. One, the Astros players were given immunity. For right or wrong, that's just the way it is. And so they're not getting suspended. We have to move on. Two, MLB is going to do whatever they can to deflect blame. They're not going to take responsibility for what happened. And they're not going to do anything more than the Astros. It's over. Like What happened, happened. They did not handle it correctly. We've been through it. And that leads to my third point. They have to set an example that the that opposing teams can't do this to the Astros over and over again because it's not it's frankly not safe at the end of the day. And the Dodgers players can make as many comments as they want in the media about how they achieved from their from their title and I'm all for it. But Joe Kelly knew what he was gonna get suspended for what he did. And they, it, it, they that's all you need to know. The intent is obvious and at the end of the day it's really dangerous what he did. And maybe he could have suspended them four games and set the same precedent example. But anyone who's surprised that they suspended them and like uh, over extensively in response to this, really, like, what did you expect to happen? Well, really what we expected MLB here's here. Wait, I, I have to cut in because uh, I'm good. I'm done. There is a precedent for pitchers throwing at hitters. the The reasoning should not matter. The motive should not matter. Well, it can help. It Why? can help. It can help lead to the conclusion that it was deliberate. But really, there's either you're deliberately throwing at somebody, you know, somebody's head, it's like you're deliberately throwing to hurt somebody, or you're not. And then there's differing intentions across like all lines, like Noah Syndergaard throwing at Chase Utley for taking out his teammate, or last year when Noe Ramirez threw at Jake Marisnik because he destroyed Jonathan Lucroy at the plate for like no reason it was unintended it was unintended and he was apologetic about it but still like a super dangerous thing to do and the no no suspensions related to throwing at batters have been of this length in a normal season Noir Ramirez last year got three games for throwing at Jake Mersnick's head last year so that's where my grievance comes is that there is a precedent yeah, and MLB is like giving prep, like they're, no, they're using the, the context. Thing. We asked. It is, it is the same thing. It, I, I just explained no. to you why it's the same thing. It's not though. You can't ignore the context. We don't live in this world where they're going to arbitrate equally in all situations. We've already been through it. The MLB is not a well-run organization that is not fair. It's not. It, yeah, it's, it's not, not fair. Not that's stuff. what we're, that's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. I, I agree with it, but, 
I, I just don't get what I'm, I'm surprised about. We can all agree about that. I don't think that's what the discussion is. The discussion, I feel like, is like, are we really surprised that they did this? And I, I guess I'm not really surprised. No, so we're not, not surprised. Really about it. Um, <laughs> like, they, they, and the thing about the Jake Marisnik thing, and usually the situation is that it's usually a one-time thing. So one guy did something wrong, and then they get to throw that, and then they move on. But this this had no this was not going to just end unless unless some unless there was an overreaction the other way because uh, the slight so, is too great to let it go just through one one action. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? You see why that makes it different? It's a uniquely it's a unique example. I don't I don't think the precedent suspensions. First of all, I think precedent suspensions is irrelevant anyway. It's not like it's the Supreme Court who cares about precedent. The MLB can set whatever precedent they ever want, change whatever they want. Yeah, that's that's, that's what doesn't that's sit with me. <laughs> What I like having a precedent. I like having consistency. That's just I don't know, well, especially hey, in justice. Let me, <laughs> let me let me interject. I think um, surprise, surprise, surprise. I agree um, with Alex Rudy. Oh my um, goodness, this is quite the disagreement um, podcast. I don't think that. Yes, it is a disagreement podcast. I don't think that. I, I do think that context matters in this case. And I do think that MLB had to set the um, set the precedent or set an example and say, "Hey, if you do throw at the the Astros, on and we think it's on purpose, you this is what's going to happen." Now you can argue that eight games was too much, that what or too little. You can argue whatever, like you can make that argument. But bottom line, that suspension had a like that that pitch had a clear purpose. Um, MLB players are still not happy, and Rudy touched on that. Um, and they want to deliver, quote unquote, their own justice. So for that reason, I don't think that they should have given him more games. And I feel like that eight games was was a little much. So you agree but with I me? Don't think, no. Okay. <laughs> I agree that context matters, and I um, and so with, I think eight games was a little much. But I also think that this this doesn't this isn't going to stop pitchers from um wanting to get the justice that they that they think the Astros should have gone. No, and it, it won't solve anything. I don't I don't think it's the, I don't think eight games, regardless of if it's thirteen percent of a of, of the season or the equivalent of twenty three, twenty two games, is going to stop major league pitchers um, who have an agenda against the Astros from throwing at them. Now obviously the suspension was completely deserved. You, there's no excuse for throwing a fastball Especially yeah, we, we we're all we're all there. We're all on that page. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I just I just like consistency. It it kind of implies some sort of per, like special treatment for the Astros, which, if anything, they do not deserve special treatment. So that's that's the way I see it. We see it differently. This is a podcast full of disagreements. Um, here here's a headline that I'm sure we all agree is just ridiculously stupid. Uh, Donald Trump <laughs> said he uh, canceled a first pitch uh, event at Yankee Stadium for later this month um, and was saying like he would have to do it at a later time. But he was never invited. Uh, the Yankees had no idea what he was referring to when he <laughs> when he said that he ca- that he would not be able to attend this first pitch. So that's just another one of those like yeah, let's take a serious look at the person we have as the leader of our country and take decisive action when it's time to vote. There you go. Um, that, but that's just ridiculous, man. Like the Yankees not knowing what he's referring, like what he's talking about at all, is just hilarious to me. Well, it's what funny because he um, he invited himself. The Yankees were surprised. Um, no, he canceled. He, he didn't invite. Yeah, he just canceled before anything then- else was known. And without, I don't like. I'm not sure if like the media was over, over like was being dumb about it. But from what I've read about it, is the Yankees literally had no idea that one he invited himself, and two that he canceled. He just did both of them on his own. Yeah, that's the thing. There, there was no self invitation like that was known about. Even it was just like he didn't reach out to anybody about any. He just all of a sudden said he was canceling this appointment that never existed. That's just, okay. We should be used to that at this point, but that's just really funny in this case. Um, Anyway, let's let's get to, actually, before we get to one last thing, 
that we'll talk about. Um, let's talk about just a few players who have been off to ridiculous starts to the season. Um, I'll, I'll start by listing just a few position players who have just been off to ripping hot starts. Kyle Lewis, the Seattle Mariners young outfielder who debuted last season, uh, is actually just decided to live up to it this year, which was really out of nowhere, especially fantasy baseball minds alike didn't really have Kyle Lewis on the radar at all, uh, but he just has come out of the gates extremely hot. Uh, Luis Robert, who was on lots of people's radars as a Rookie of the Year candidate, has been doing it so far. Um, yeah, he had a he had a four-hit game just yesterday, so that was, that was really impressive. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski, who is not a highly touted prospect at all, but clearly has some big value name recognition and lineage. Um, he, he played last season and did pretty well for the Giants, one of their better hitters, which didn't say much. But off to start off this season has been the reason why the Giants are still 500. Like him and Donovan Solano have just been ridiculously good. Um, and he's hitting for tons of power at the worst left-handed hitting ballpark in baseball. Like, I, I don't even know. It's, it's beyond me. Uh, Nick Castellanos, new Reds acquisition, kind of expected, but he's off to a really hot start as well. I believe he was player of the week uh, this past week as well. Jacoby Jones for the Tigers, another guy who really wasn't on a whole lot of people's radars as being a potential breakout, but it's looking likely now, along with the rest of the Tigers, who have been who have been hitting. They've certainly been doing that. A couple Angels here too, David Fletcher, Brian Goodwin. Not the Angels, who most people had their eyes on to start the season. Uh, Fletcher, yes. Not, not the rest of them. Angels fans, no, nobody outside of there was really looking too closely I at them. I wholeheartedly disagree with you. If you go anywhere on social media, there are millions of Taylor's, uh, David Fletcher stands. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. David Fletcher is millions? beloved. He is. Brian Goodwin, though. No, thousands, hundreds of thousands, sorry, not millions. Millions and trillions. There, yeah. there are a dozen. <laughs> Uh, let's see, who else? Ramon Laureano for the A's has been kind of like single-handedly carrying their offense for a little bit. They, they've not otherwise been off to a, a super hot start. And then Dansby Swanson, former number one overall pick, has kind of been raking for the Braves. I swear he does it every year. Not, not really. He hasn't done it every year. Like, he always starts off hot and just goes back to being... Uh, maybe, or like, maybe, we'll see. Taka. I thought he started off extremely cold last year. But I don't know. He, right. He's not a bad baseball player, but he's just never been quite this good at any point. So that's that's always something something you like to see. Yeah. So thank you, Magic Johnson. Okay, <laughs> I don't I don't know that reference. Um, a few pitchers off to hot starts. Um, the entire Indians rotation, which is I don't even know what to say about that all the way down to guys like Zach Plesak and Adam Plutko um have just been throwing gems Shane Bieber is off to the best two starts uh, to start a season ever pretty much 27 are strikeouts in are they officially the best team that doesn't spend any money it would be so good if they just spent any money uh the Rays are up there too uh, the the Rays are still in the A's yeah they haven't they haven't earned a crown or anything it's it's too early to tell definitely the best pitching staff in baseball right now so Shane Bieber my goodness makes makes you uh hot in all the right places uh I'm just gonna leave that as it is and former Indian Trevor Bauer also off to a really hot start through a seven inning complete game shutout in in that new thing, we didn't really talk about that at all. But there have been some double headers, seven inning double headers thrown into the schedule, um, because why not? And he finished off one of them against the Tigers. Uh, I I don't I don't like it. It's not. It, it seems unnecessary, but it's like why not just make why not just make them nine inning games? Like what's why not just make them seven inning games? You have sixty man rosters pretty much. Why not just like make them? <laughs> yeah, that's you know what I'm saying. It's 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 strange. Um, as Tyler, long as it helps us finish the season and get more baseball, I'm all for it at this point. It's yeah, already such a good season. Yeah, yeah, I just I just don't really see the help all that much. But hey, whatever. Um, Tyler Chatwood too. I'll throw him in there. He's not walking a million batters, uh, which yeah. is seemingly all it took for him. So those are some hot starts. I wanted to throw those in here and. 
we are going to wrap up. I'll, I'll leave with the last super hot player, and that's Aaron Judge, who we, of course, love, but have come to learn just how much A-Rod loves in, in the last Sunday night baseball uh, appearance where Aaron Judge hit two home runs to give him six home runs in five games. Uh, he was the player of the week in the AL. That is just crazy. Matt Vaskersian lost his mind when Aaron Judge hit the go-ahead home run. And uh, he's he's impressive. We've known this for some time. But then Arod just seems to somehow like take it a take it a step forward and take it take it a step further with his love for him. Uh, Rudy, Rudy, what did what did you think about this whole? You know, Tiger Woods as far as mentioned Michael Jordan Ron James Tom Brady you know Nelson Mandela Don D Aaron Judge I'm all for it this is the truth this is the gospel in in the same class to be sure yeah it's that it was just a very very interesting broadcast um and us we've we've all been talking a lot of just about how how much we disagree about like certain broadcasters and, and what we like and what we don't like. Maybe we'll do a podcast at some point where we do a deep dive on like what ideal broadcasts look like. Have we done one of those in the past? I feel like we might have, but it would be a fun topic to revisit nonetheless. So um, that is where we're going to leave it for today though. Thank you everybody for joining us. If you did enjoy this podcast, go ahead and rate and review and, and follow us. Um, you know, we really appreciate that. And also connect with us on social media at BeatTheShiftBP or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So let us know um, what you think there and just connect with us. Say hello. Uh, That is it for today, though. Thank you, everybody. One last time, as always, Farbode. Peace.